Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, Vol Nation. Welcome to another episode of Believe in Tennessee Football. I'm your host, as always, Kyler Kerbison. Today we have a very special guest in Josh Dobbs. He comes on the show. We talk about you know, his time at Tennessee, uh, 2015 and 16, his last two years, the fall during that 2016 season, and what it's really like to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. So... Let's start the show. Hey guys, so uh, before we get into the podcast, got to shout out our sponsor. Of course, it's Bet Online. So football might be over, which kind of stinks, but NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, and the only place you should be betting on these sports is betonline.ag. Now, I'm a homer. I'm always going to be putting money on Tennessee basketball, you know, some Predators NHL, and some Memphis Grizzlies. But you can bet on anything at Bet Online. They even cover awards and TV shows and reality TV. Um, they have hundreds of props and real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, there's always the 24 hour online, online casino. So. Head to the website, or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, so we welcome on a very special guest. Uh, He is from Alpharetta, Georgia. He is an aerospace engineer. He was 135th pick overall to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know if everyone knows this is the Torchbearer Award winner. It is Joshua Dobbs. How are we doing, bud? What's up, Kyler? Good morning. How are you? I'm great, man. I am great. <laughs> um, I'm so happy to have you on. You're definitely one of my biggest guests so far. Uh, I think uh, Vol Nation will definitely enjoy this podcast and just to hear from you because you are uh, kind of a legend around not. <laughs> Well, I appreciate it. Hopefully I can give them some good stories of our time, you know? Yeah, there you go. Um, so we're off of the Super Bowl yesterday, so I would be, you know, an idiot not to ask you your thoughts on it. What did you yeah, would you like about it? What did you see? Um I mean it's just it's almost it's almost tiring seeing Tom Brady be good <laughs> all of the time. It's Im- yeah, I mean it's impressive. I know you spent some time with him. Yeah. for a little bit so you kind of saw him in action um but it's impressive you know how long he's been doing it and he's doing it at a high level it's cool you know it's from a court from a QB play side of side of it it's cool to see you know how his game has adapted you know it's like mm-hmm. like watching the game yesterday it's weird like outside of the throw to AB for the touchdown and a comeback he threw to him I don't really remember a receiver catching a ball you know, it's like they yeah. dominated the run game. They hit some screens. They hit Gronk in the red zone. And in any of their dropback passing, like, they would go zone. He'd just turn around, throw it to the back, and just stay ahead of the chains. So it's like he's just so efficient, you know, at just moving the ball. And then I got, you know, that hurt the Chiefs because, you know, obviously they got out to a slow start. And then, boom, they're down 14-3. to three. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they're trying to – play fastball, get back in the game while Tom Brady's being Tom Brady. And, you know, it's tough. That's tough to do. So it's it's impressive to see. Of course, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Tom Brady wins again. <laughs> but I think, like, sustained, consistent success, especially over a long period of time, especially for how old he is, you know, it's it's still impressive. I think everyone yeah. still has to, you know, see that side of it. Like, that. that's hard to do. That's hard yeah. to do. I mean, he was so consistent throughout the whole night. It's not like he's putting up a ton of numbers, like just over 200 yards passing. Right. Just like 
giving doing exactly what the defense has given him. Just just mm-hmm. every single thing. We're gonna run, run, run. We're gonna hit play action. All of his touchdowns yes. are on play actions. So it's Correct. just like we're gonna make everything slow down for us and work for us and just do what the defense gives us. And there's no one better at figuring yeah. that stuff out. It's that's no, you're ex- you're exactly correct. It's it's you know they say football is such a complex game, and then you watch him play yesterday, and it's like, well, he made that look really simple. All he just yeah. throw it to the back and hand the ball really off easy, him. right? So no, I mean, hey, more power to him. We'll see. We'll see what what he has in store next year as well. Yeah. So as you go into next year, um, and I, I wanted to get kind of your experience this year of the NFL under COVID protocols and mm-hmm. how different it is. Um, and, you know, maybe just a day in the life of being an NFL player. Honestly, bro, this year was, <laughs> this year was a, a year for the books. It was, it's really like a year of, for everyone, even during the season, like isolation, you know, it's your family couldn't come see the games, you know, as you know, an NFL player in season because we're getting daily tested. You know, you didn't, you know, normally in season, you know, football is like, you don't really have a life outside of football, but this year you definitely didn't have a life outside of football from yeah. the single standpoint of you knowing practice ended, you know, you, you couldn't, you just went to your apartment or your house and you couldn't <laughs> do anything, you know, pick up some food for the, for the house and that's it. So it was an interesting year, um, a long year, a weird year um, mm-hmm. where, you know, you're so used to games and fans and the fanfare and showing up to the stadium and people everywhere. And now you're showing up and it's like you're going to practice for the game. There's no one in the stands. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like every everything you could possibly imagine. Did it um, did it almost feel like those like spring scrimmages we had whenever you guys were like playing the games because there's no fans in there? I mean, similar, but you remember those those games, you know, we had like, what, like a family day or like a student day. Yeah. You know, it's like there's some people in the stands. I'm talking the first six weeks of the season, Tyler, there wasn't a soul in the stands, <laughs> but the the security guards that face away from the field. That's it. Why were <laughs> they the there? Why the are stand. they facing away from the field watching no one? I don't know. Just in case someone decided to, <laughs> to come see the game, I got no clue. Outside of that, there was nobody in the stand. Like, t- I'm just talking touchdown thrown, and it's just the sideline. Just, oh, oh. Sometimes, sometimes if you look down or you looked away from the game and you would be like, we scored. Because there, there was nothing. There's no, <laughs> no sound, nothing. No sound just, at all. I'm sure you could literally hear everyone and what they were saying oh, yeah. on the field. I, I'd say the trash talking picked up because – I mean, sidelines are just screaming at each other because that's the only sound in the entire stadium. So you can hear you all the way across that 50 yards. You can hear them all the way across. We played the Colts, um, you know, at the end of the season, Phil Rivers, obviously, you know, know, everyone knows, you know, his, Uh his, uh, how, how, how he likes to talk. A good guy. Yeah. You can hear that man, you know, from, from the locker room. So (laughs) it was, it was incredible. What it was different. It was an interesting year. It put a lot of things into perspective, to say the least, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I think there's a huge misconception about being a backup quarterback, that it's the best job in the world, it's the easiest job (laughs) in the world. And I would like to understand exactly what being a backup quarterback entails and give people out there like, hey, it's not as easy as it sounds. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I just want to go stand there and, and get paid. And that's not the case one bit. I give no. this analogy. It's it's really like, you know, you're, you're, you're like you're um, in AP calculus when you're in high school, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a, a, a difficult class. And, you know, every Friday you have your test or quiz, right? So every Friday you have a lot of information, some difficult information to learn, understand, prepare for. Uh, be able to um, execute on test day. So you're preparing all week for that AP calculus exam, looking forward to it. And then <clears throat> you get to Friday and you don't take the test. But the, the catch is, it's like, ah, most people are like, ah, I didn't have to take the test. That's easy. But the thing is, like, you never know when you're going to have to take the test. Yeah. So it's like, this week I might not have taken the test, but next week 
I might have to take the test. I might have to take half the test. I might have to take the entire test. I might have to take, you know, just the last question on the test. I might have to answer the first question on the test. I don't, I don't know. So I have to prepare <laughs> for the entire test every yeah. single week. So it's, it's, you know, you know, it's, it's, you have to be mentally strong, you know, because mm -hmm. you never know when your number is going to be called. Um, but you don't want to not take advantage of not take advantage of the opportunity when it is called, right. You yeah. want to go and execute play as if you are the starter. Cause that's what you're preparing for. That's what you've dreamed of being. You didn't grow up saying, ah, I want to be a backup quarterback. In NFL. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's the peak of my football career. No, no. Everyone wants to be one out of 32. Uh, yeah. There's only 32 starting quarterbacks in the world. And there's hundreds of QBs that wants to get there. There's only a hundred quarterbacks in the world in the NFL each year. Um, so it's a very small group to start with. Um, obviously being backup is cool and all, but you know, I didn't get into football <laughs> when I was five to be a backup quarterback, you know? So I prepare yeah. as if I'm the starter, prepare as, as if I'm taking that test. Um, and you know, some Sunday my number will be called and be called every Sunday after that until I retire. So I'm just yeah. preparing for that opportunity. All about that timing. I mean, yeah, yeah I always saw it because it's like for a backup quarterback and a quarterback is such a different position than any other because, you know, as an offensive lineman, I'm preparing, you know, maybe what the defense is doing. I'm looking at, you know, guys I'm going to go up against. I'm talking with the guys I'm playing next to. But as a quarterback, there's the added leadership. There's the right. added connection with everyone. Like, I don't have to be friends with the wide receivers for me to <laughs> have a good game. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah. I just got to be connected with a guy right next to me. You have to be connected with everyone on the offense. You have to lead every single person on the offense, which is why I think Tampa Bay made it this far with Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. It's just like he was leading everyone on the offense. So, like, as a backup quarterback, you have to do that without actually work like working with them like you have to give them enough right. confidence to when you come in the game they're like okay so we're good we're good he, josh is in the game we'll, we'll be good right so like what does that come from you know it's different everywhere um obviously being in pittsburgh with ben you know he he doesn't practice every day just because he's had so many reps and that's just his body clock is scheduled for him to prepare yeah. so you get more opportunities to showcase what you can do um like wednesday practices ben's day they call it like that's ben's day so he doesn't he doesn't practice so wednesday you're getting a lot of reps yeah and you know it might be the early install game plan reps but those are the opportunities for you to show like hey like if something were to happen and ben i got in there this is what i can do so you got to be able to instill confidence in you guys exactly what you said instill confidence in the guys you know, without being the guy that's getting the nod to start yeah. the game, right? Yeah. Which, as you know, it, it's difficult. Um, but shoot, I mean, if it, if it, if it was if it wasn't difficult, everyone would do it, right? Exactly. Be able to do it. So exactly. Um, yeah, you know, it's cool being back up. It's not my ultimate goal, but um, you definitely you still learn a lot. The, being behind Ben, being able to learn from him. He's played yeah, I mean, so many reps, so many games, you know, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So the knowledge that you're able to gain only helps for when I get my opportunity to, to, yeah. to start. Seems like a great guy to learn under. Um, and you just had another addition to the quarterback room in Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, it's always a little touchy subject. They bring in another guy. It's – I'm going to try and help him as much as possible, but he's also my competition. Mm -hmm. um, and it's such a weird dynamic when you're, when you're actually in the locker room, you, you know, when I was, you know, had my cup of coffee at Tampa Bay, I was, you know, practice squad guy and I'm trying to make the team, but also connect with my other offensive linemen. But it's also like, I want to be better than you and you get Correct. cut and not me. Yeah. So it's, it's such it a, it's such a weird dynamic. How it's are like how sword? Yeah, yeah, how are you feeling with Dwayne coming in? Because honestly, I mean, competition breeds excellence. Like you're like Correct. the only the only way you get better is having someone on your heels. And I think honestly, I think you got better at UT when uh, Riley Ferguson started doing well in practice and stepping up and was mm -hmm. like right there on your heels. And you guys are in the same class, and it was like okay. Like there's some competition here. Like I, I gotta, yeah. I gotta step my game up. 
No, you're exactly correct. Um, QB position rooms everywhere is different. The dynamics different because, you know, you gave the analogy about the alignment, but at the end of the day, at least five guys get to play maybe even six or seven. If you get a rotation, start going big packages, you know, yeah. quarterback, it's like, you got three or four guys in a room, but one guy, one guy plays, you know, one, mm-hmm. everyone wants to be that guy. Right. <laughs> so you want to, but everyone wants to be cordial. Cause, but at the end of the day, we're all competitors and we all play quarterback our whole lives. And most of us, me, you know, our first time not being the starter comes in the NFL. And like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I've never been in this position before. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a double-edged sword, but you're always cordial. Um, and the QB uh, fraternity is very small. We all know each other. Our paths have crossed. Like, for example, um, when I was in college, um, Dwayne was coming out of high school. So I was a counselor at Elite 11, which I participated in in high school. Oh, and yeah. I, was, I was actually his counselor at Elite 11. Okay. So I've seen him since high school. Um, so we trained with the same guy. Uh, we both trained with Quincy. So it's, it's a small world, man. And at the end of the day, you just go out, you compete. Um, you're professional um, off the field and, and your encounters. Um, you know, if someone asks a question, maybe you answer, maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's how you feel that day, right? Yeah. Uh, but in the day, you're a competitor, man. You just, no matter who's in the room, you know, you just go out, you maximize your reps, compete to the best of your ability, make the plays when they're there, and let the chips fall where they may. Because the coaches make make the final, are going to make the final decision, GM um scout so Mm -hmm. you know you just have to put your best foot forward every single day and um you know accept accept what comes with it yeah maybe hold back a few of those answers that yeah you know no always you're not you're not telling them your your entire philosophy when you're reading a play right i mean hey you know (laughs) what bill bill gates don't tell us all of his secrets that's right he used to be like hey uh it's in the middle of the playbook the answer to you're looking for if you want to somewhere in there i think i saw it (laughs) yeah you want to research a little bit more (laughs) Um, so let's get into the Vols. Uh, you know, I know every VFL watches throughout the season. Um, then know if you, you know, you kept up with it this year and what your thoughts were. Yeah. You know, it's disappointing going three and seven and, um, it was a tough, it was a tough year overall to be a Vol fan for sure. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> I mean, we're tuned in every single week. Um, but no, it was a tough year, especially, you know, when you, when you have that full SEC gauntlet and you're mm-hmm. coming off of a, a good season the year before, you know, where we yeah. made progress steps in the right direction and, and you don't make any steps in the right direction per se. So it was a tough year. I, I really feel for the guys at the end of the day, because you know how it is like fans always are going to have their, their critiques, criticism, no matter if you're doing well or not, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's going to have an opinion. But you know how it is, man. In the, in the locker room, the amount of hours you spend at the complex, not even in season, out of season, preparing yeah. for the season. You know, so I think like at the end of the day, people around the program, you know, one, realize no player is showing up saying, oh, I can't wait to go three and seven this year. You know, like <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's not their mindset. That's not their mentality. Everyone's yeah. trying their best. Everyone wants to win. Um, so I really feel for the guys. You know, of course – a mist of all the now more stuff that's come out since the season. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know it's tough. A lot of guys are in transition, so I really feel for the for the for the players because I know per se what they're what they're going through, just the amount of time and hours that they put into something. So I'm, ex- but I am, I will say I am excited um, for the future with Coach Heifel. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him a couple of days ago. Uh, yeah. Really, actually, maybe yesterday. I got a chance to talk to him yesterday. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Connect with him <clears throat> for the first time. He was at Oklahoma. When yeah. We played him uh, your senior year. So um, I'm excited. You know, he's been successful everywhere. I told him, I was like, you literally made the NFL change, you know, the draft because of Sam Bradford. So yeah. hopefully yeah. we can get some of that success to Rocky Top. Exactly. Exactly. It, you know, and, and you talk about going into next season. Wanted to ask, you know, what, you thought about Harrison Bailey this mm-hmm. past season, just his quarterback play. And, you know, if he can't succeed, I know there, there's a, a new guy came in, uh, Slater, Caden Slater. And obviously it's it's tough to know if a guy's going to make it coming out from of high course. school and stuff like that. I know they're going to be competing. Then you got a transfer from Virginia Tech in Hooker. 
So they're all going to be competing. Um, but I think Harrison, I think he's a good fit. I think he's a good quarterback. I think, I think he was just young, just didn't quite yeah. understand the game as much because even in the games that he got in, um, I think it was like Arkansas. It was like a two minute drill. He just kept throwing check downs mm-hmm. and it was, it got to the point where we got out of bounds. He went over to the sideline, talks to the coach for two seconds the next play, he throws it down the seam for, like, 35-yard gain. It's like the coach is just telling him, hey, like, you can throw it. Throw it, it. Down like, throw it downfield, bro. Like, believe in yourself. And he's like, oh, okay. I didn't realize I could do that. So, I think it's just almost yeah. like with, with freshmen especially, it's like give them the confidence and then just give them a little direction and they can they can take it that. Of course. I mean, I remember my freshman year, you know, and it and – it, it's just, it's just so different from high school to college. Like, everyone always acts like it's, oh, you know, it's it's not that different. No, it's it's totally different. You know, in <laughs> high school, you're playing guys that will never play football again, you know, to be brutally honest. And, you know, you're playing with and against guys that barely are playing in high school and will never play again get to college. And everyone deserve, everyone on the field deserves to be on the field, yeah. especially in the SEC. So, when you're a freshman, you know, you're, it's, it, there's a learning curve. So obviously, you know, getting those reps, I think those were good for him. And he showed a lot of promise throughout the year. Um, and I do think this goes unnoticed. You know, when you look back into the college's um, camp and their preparation for the year, half the freshmen didn't even get to practice. You know, they were practicing with yeah. half squads, you know. Um, I saw a report, like, it wasn't the fact that people weren't talented enough. It's the fact that like, the coaches literally never had an opportunity to see them in camp. And people were like, go play them. It's like, well, we haven't, we, we couldn't. COVID, people getting sick, had to cancel yeah. practices, half squad practices. You know, it's, it's tough. It was, a, it was a unique year. So I think people need to take everything with, the, with, with a grain of salt. Um, you know, imagine, you know, you're training, but you're just thrust into SEC action with no camp, nothing, no practice. Yeah. You know, it, it's going to be difficult. So, um, and we had a young team. So I, I, I do think, he showed a lot of promise. Um, as you know, at any level in football, competition is competition. They got to play the best guys. So they're still going to bring in the next guy to, to take their spot. That's just how the That's game right. goes. So I do think there'll be a healthy, healthy dynamic competition at the QB position. You know, yeah. um, I think Alabama kind of showed that model when they had Jalen Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones all in the same QB room. And we see, see how that worked for them. So, yeah. Um, you know, competition, competition, bring in the best guys, let them compete. You know, the one who wins, let them play. And then the others wait their turn. Yeah. And that just adds fuel to the fire. So. And I think, I think it's great. I mean, I, I wrote like a little thing on Mac Jones. He was behind both of those guys Tua, he was in to his class. So they were in the same mm-hmm. class. He stayed behind both of them. They both were sec champions Tua was a national champion and Mac Jones knows I'm not going to play for at least three years. I might get two years of playing. Maybe like if Tua doesn't go to get hurt, like how he got hurt. Yeah. Like how he got hurt. And it's like, uh, you know, all, all the guys nowadays are transferring after their first year, just like, Oh, I'm not going to play as much or something like that. And I'm getting out. But like Mac Jones, he's like, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay as an example of that. Yeah. Just like, I'm going to work my butt off. And he got his opportunity was a Heisen finalist and literally like one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft this year. And it, it, I mean, I, to your point though, I do think each player has their own circumstances and and situations. Of course that worked out great for Mac Jones. Um, You know, Joe Burrow transferred and it worked out great for him. You know, that's true. Justin Fields transferred. It worked out great for him. So I don't, there's no there's no perfect formula, but I do I'm similar to you though. I do think there is something to, you know, competing. And if you don't win, sticking it out and continue to fight, continue to compete rather than, you know, just say, ah, I didn't win. Let me just cut my losses and try again somewhere else. You know, I, I that's I feel like that's kind of like quitting ish, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying Justin Fields and Joe Burrow quit. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that they made the right decision for their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what every, every player has to do. Yeah, I agree. 
I think it's different with everyone. Um, but I'm definitely on the side of it feels like quitting a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And some of the guys who transfer, whether it be like a grad transfer where it's like you have one more year of eligibility and then you decide to transfer, those are the ones that confuse me a lot, um, especially ones that have started before. Yeah. Uh, I'm just like, hey, just just stick it out, man. I mean, honestly, you know, you, you're looked at your play first, trying to right. go to the NFL, but they also look at your character, who you are, you know, the kind of decisions you make. And I think sticking out, sticking it out with a team is a really good decision and makes you look better in the eyes of NFL GMs and scouts and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I just feel like it's, <laughs> I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I do see that. Um, but I do think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, teams need to see you play, you know? So yeah. I I, I, th- I think, I, as I said, I just think everyone has their own situation. I do agree. I think sticking it out, I think competing, you know, I think honoring your commitment, I think that's what you should do unless mm-hmm. there's some blatantly obvious blaring reason for you to go somewhere else, you know? And yeah. there are those extreme cases, of course, and there are those cases that we've seen that have worked well. But for, you know, the three to four to five cases we've seen that work well, similar to what you're saying, there's so many more cases behind the scene where you see guys that just say, ah, I'm out, transfer, and you never hear about them again. You yeah. know? And I <laughs> yeah. think those are the ones that people don't realize. You know, so many people get there their freshman year, they don't play, it doesn't go how they envisioned because they thought they were going to be a freshman All-American. You know, and then they weren't, and they aren't committed to the grind. They go transfer somewhere else. Now they're playing smaller football, or they just get lost in the whole pile, the recycling of, you know, even though you're transferring, they were already recruiting the next set of freshmen to come in and take the jobs of the people that are there, right? Exactly. So now you're, you're, wherever you go, you're still competing at someone else, you know? So at the end of the day, you know, I'm with you. Everyone has, everyone can make their own decision. They have the freedom to make their own decision. Um, I don't know if I love the transfer portal, but I do love, you know, players having more freedom, though, yeah. having more freedom and control of their careers. Just because, as we know, coaches aren't really entitled to anything. They can hop around with the different schools. So I do think it is good players do have a, a uh, portal where they're able to be in control of their own careers. Yeah. I just think everyone needs to use it wisely. And not yeah. everyone needs to be in the transfer portal, you know? Yeah, overuse a little bit. Correct. Um, yeah. I agree. But, okay, so let's get <laughs> back to our playing time together, your playing time at Tennessee. I'd love to get possibly your best and worst memory at UT. <laughs> I will share mine. My best memory at UT was my senior year versus Georgia when uh, we wore the Smoky Grays, we won that game. It was by far the best game I ever played. And I, I, it was, it was amazing. It was a perfect game. The fact that we won versus them gave us the confidence to go into Alabama. We almost beat Alabama. Should have beat Alabama. Should have. And then the worst was that same year versus Florida. And having it in our grasp and losing it in the fourth quarter, those, you know, the highs and lows of one year, I mean, that was definitely the highest and the lowest I was. Yeah. Looking back on that year, man, you know, we, we, we left so much out there. You know, it's crazy. Like we lost four games that year and we were winning all four of them by 14 points at some point. It's just, it's just amazing (laughs) looking back at that year, you know, it, but I do agree, you know, the Georgia game, that was a heck of a game, especially like up front. I remember we gave up one sack on like third and 12, and they rushed three, and it was a coverage sack. Yeah. Outside of that, you know, protection was great. And that and they had a really good front. They had yeah. Floyd. They had good inside rushers. They had another good rusher on the other side. They had really good linebackers. Um, They blitzed. I mean, we were playing against Coach Pruitt. You know, you blitz every every third down. Yeah. So, um. No, that was a really good one. I'd say a lot of people like say like the cliche, not cliche. It was an amazing moment. The next year going to Georgia and doing yes. home, man. Of course, that was an amazing moment, especially you know on the road. Uh-huh. Um, 
beat them twice in a row. I'm from Georgia. You know, half of my high school went to Georgia. Never <laughs> liked Georgia. Yeah. So um, that was an amazing moment. Um, I think the winning the 40 game at home, that meant a lot. And that was really – that was that was electric. It was very similar to the Georgia game. when I mean, we were really getting smacked. And then yeah. we came back and won. I was literally – I was in the stands for that game, the Florida game. And I remember at halftime we're, we're, we're down big. But I felt good about it because all of their yards, all of their scoring was off like fluke and trick plays and things yeah. like that. Like they had like a double reverse touchdown. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, they have, they have to literally do the most gimmicky things to score. And just like that Georgia game, we were stopping ourselves. Like the reason Georgia was right. up that year is because of like dumb penalties or mm-hmm. like the fumble at the goal the, line the fumble. <laughs> took it all the way back. It's like, you know, just like random stuff was happening and it wasn't, it wasn't that we weren't doing a good job. It was just like, we just can't shoot ourselves in the foot. Right. So I felt good. I felt good at halftime versus Florida. And, and I, I mean, I will admit it. I've said it on this podcast before. I bawled my eyes out when you guys won. <laughs> I, I was freaking crying. I mean, 12 years, that's all I wanted to do when I was at UT was beat Florida and I never got it. And, to, to see it happen, to be there when it happened, to see you guys just, like, put on those, like, final two touchdowns mm-hmm. or, or or that, oh, my gosh, the final drive where there was, like, three and a half minutes and you just ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball and kept getting first downs. And that was definitely something that we struggled with the year before. Yeah. Like, I we could have put some game did, away, did but we thing. didn't. Right. I remember – um so we were before the Florida game that year, senior year. Uh, we were watching the film of the of the year before, and I was like, "Yo, there's gonna be another moment like the same because we had the moment. You know, we yeah. went on that eleven or twelve play drive, scored. Like, there's gonna be a moment where they want to quit. Like, they're gonna want to quit. Like, we're gonna do something. We might be down. We'll come back. But like, they're gonna want to quit. And like last year, we didn't seal the door. Mm-hmm. We didn't let them quit. This year, when they are sitting there, like. Oh, they're tired. We're wearing them down. We have to make them quit. We yes. just have to make them quit, and we will win. So that was the next step that we needed. Yeah. Um, so I say that's probably my best. I say the toughest moment. Oh, so tough. I can't even watch the game anymore. Everyone's like, oh, that game was a classic. That game was so good. The Texas A&M game. So hurt. <laughs> yeah. So hurt. I can't even watch. I haven't watched. I don't think I've watched the last play yet since. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it. Mm-mm. I haven't watched it. I watched I mean, until I watch until the first overtime, and then I'm just like, I'm good. I don't need yeah. to watch anymore. Uh, I think uh, seven seven turnovers is um, gonna put Yo, you seven <laughs> turnovers, spot. six six seven hundred yards total offense, like and lost. You no, know, and that, that that game was so so tough. Just from that sense, it's like they did nothing. They didn't stop us all game. No. <laughs> they did not stop us once. No. We're going into score. We were fumbling inside zone. We fumble on an 80-yard screen pass. You know, we're getting tip, tipped up picks. And then I throw the dumb one in the game. You know, it's just like, God, everything could have gone wrong. It's like we did everything to fight, fight, stay in the game, stay in the game overcome so many odds yeah. to come down to that last play you know what, so, what uh you know what what were you guys saying to each other after that happened after you know just the the pretty much dumb mistakes of fumbling and yeah. picks and stuff like that what like what would you what were you saying after that game you know i'd say i'd say it the impressive part of that game really showed the mental like resolve of the team because you know most time to go you throw I think we we fumbled on like the first three drives of the game. Yeah. You know, it's like when stuff like that happens, you know how it, people just go in the tank. They're like, oh, but no one ever blinked. Everyone's yeah. just like, yo, they can't stop us. They can't stop us. We will come back. We're down. We're down 14 points with like two minutes left. Yeah. And this is literally what we're saying on the sideline. Ah, we'll tie it up. We'll go to overtime. Like, we'll be good. No one's blinking. It was incredible. Everyone's just like, yeah, we'll make it happen. We, they go down, almost scored to seal it. Malik 
hits the ball out, punches the ball out on the goal line. We get a touchback down yeah. seven with like a minute and one seconds, one timeout, and everyone is like this. All right, let's go score. Yeah. <laughs> Touchdown. You know, I think that was the same. Was, that was the same way. Um, my, I don't know. Yeah, my junior year at South Carolina. Yeah. It was the same that thing. The exact same. Where we went into overtime forward. versus them, but we were down 14 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, like a minute left. Right? Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, it's all good. It's, <laughs> it's all, all good. good. It was that same vibe. It's that same vibe. We just, we just didn't finish it. So yeah. that one, that one's tough. That one's tough because you got to think, you know, we're five and no, we win at Texas A&M. We go six and no. You know, of course, the next game, uh, we played Alabama at home, and that game was tough. And we had 16 of 22 starters out, yeah. injured, hurt, yeah. not even dressed for the game. And then Alvin gets hurt in the game, you know. So that one's going to be tough either way. Of course, if you have the momentum from winning at Texas A&M, though, mm-hmm. who knows, you know, how it goes from there. And then you don't – then I think if you have the right momentum, you know, you don't fall to a South Carolina team you should beat. You know, I just yeah. think the whole season, the whole season changes. So that's one that, you know, it's life, right? You gotta, you gotta live with some, some mm-hmm. tough, some tough things. So that's one that is, I call it just, you know, a character builder. It's like yeah. a character builder. <laughs> yeah, Still won't ever definitely. watch that play, but it's a character builder. For there me. you go. <laughs> You're like, I remember it. I don't need to watch it. I remember. I saw it. I lived it. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I'm so. Good. Now that we talk about it, it looks like there are actually a lot of similarities from the 2015 and 16 years and offenses. Which one would you say was a better offense? Because obviously I'm honest um, and think we were better in 2015, but you guys were very, very explosive. You, you like you say, started five and oh, yeah, you, you know, you got up to number six in the rankings. So, I mean, great team overall i you know it's it's interesting it was the same offense we were just more mature in yeah. 16 you know from a skill player standpoint mm-hmm. up front we weren't up front we were probably younger which yeah. is surprising you know you, you think jack and chance still played as freshmen but still the next year we we're probably younger up front but from a skill position we were just more mature you know mm-hmm. we we had had a really good year with the year before so we were like we knew like we it's not not to say we didn't know we were good the year before, but like we really knew how good we were and, and yeah. the yards and points that we could put up the next year. So I just said we were just more mature as a skill group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say 2015, though, we were more consistent because you know, yeah. obviously it showed, you know, we were up 14 in just about every game except for the Alabama game. And we were up that game with a minute left in the game. So yeah. I think we were we were just more consistent. You know, we started fast. I think we scored touchdowns on like the first drive of almost every single game. Um, so we were just more consistent. But in 2016, I think we were more explosive. So yeah, okay. I think there's a there's a little you know give and take uh, between the two. Yeah, because I think in 2015 I mean, we were more on the running side, like we ran the ball yeah. a lot more. And it was mm-hmm. more about the run game than anything. And, you know, the three-headed monster of you, Alvin, and yeah. heard. And, like yeah. You, yeah, like you said, the explosiveness in 2016, it was let's sling the ball around a little bit. Let's make plays mm-hmm. for these guys. Um, Correct. And I definitely agree. It, it You guys were very explosive in 2016. We would score like – it would just be an hour down, score like that, you know, stuff yeah. like that. It was fun but to watch. In 2015, watch, sure. I mean, we were – consistently moving the ball down the field you know we had the top you know percentage on third down conversions and almost sec history i think we're like 50 percent above 50 percent third down conversions you know your senior year which is hard to do yeah so you know we were good so there's always this uh i guess thing going around on social media and everything else because alvin is doing such amazing things at new orleans Mm-hmm. You know, offensive rookie of the year. You, you know, he's got all these records, like the first running back to have a thousand receiving yards and a thousand rushing yards. Um, and, and you know, people say, well, he he wasn't used correctly. He he didn't he didn't get the ball enough at Tennessee. He wasn't 
you know, put in the right position. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And here's why. Because Alvin, as a running back, had to compete with you and Jalen for running the ball. Alvin, as a receiver, had to compete with Malone and Wolf and Mm -hmm. Josh Smith and uh, Juwan for receptions. So it's like we had so much talent in the skill positions. You give Alvin the ball, and he does make great plays, and that's great, but you can also run the ball. And that was one of the most dangerous things we had is your feet and the the ability to run those, you know, play action, you know, passes, but also the, you know, the read counters that, that we would mm-hmm. run with you were so freaking dangerous of reading that. Yeah, no, no one could stop them. No one could stop those. So I always feel like it's a, it's a cop out. Like I know Alvin's doing great and he yeah. was great at Tennessee and I, I don't feel like he was underused at all. What do you think? I, I'm I'm on the same sentiment as you. You know, I think I, everyone's always. You know, of course, there's games where people will single out. Like I think like Oklahoma game, people are like, oh, he only had like six touches. Um, it's like, dude, we're up 17 points. Like, may, yeah, maybe <laughs> you should have had more touches in the second half. We're up 17 points. You know, I think. Um, so I do think like it, it's 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 a cop out. I I do agree. Obviously, Alvin's doing great. Yeah, and everyone is so happy for his success, and everyone knows the type of player that he is, and he was when we played with him. And when we played with him, we knew how talented he was. You know, his first day on campus, we handed handed him off inside zone at spring practice, and he took it eighty to the house. And it was like we we all saw that. Yeah, and we aren't oblivious to that. Um, but you know, we had so many playmakers, and there's only one ball to go around. You got to get the ball in your playmakers' hands. Utilize all of them. Mm-hmm. For the best skill set, so obviously it's accentuated when Jalen gets hurt. You know, our senior year, and Alvin's the full-time running back, and now he's getting every touch, and now you're able to see what he does as an every-down back. Yeah, but I do agree. You know, it's football, man. Everyone's always gonna have an opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, the coaches and my job is to get the ball in the playmakers' hands and and go from there. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and then. I want to get your thoughts on all the coaches. Now, obviously, played under Butch. Then mm-hmm. Pruitt came in. You didn't really – I don't – you didn't play under him. And, you know, mm-hmm. didn't um, – I'm sure you met him maybe once or twice. And then your thoughts on the future with, with Hypel. Um, and I, I always think it's very tough because people want me to hate Butch Jones. And I understand – I, ne- I, n- I never get that, though. Like – that's probably that's probably the most frustrating thing, you know. It was looking at the year after we left. Coach Jones mm-hmm. is last year there. Mm-hmm. Um, just how like stuff like turns so quick. Um, you know, it's 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 frustrating looking back because people act like Coach Jones said, "All right, you know, I just had one of the greatest classes in Tennessee history graduate. You know, let me go four and eight. You yeah. know, people act like that was his mindset, and no, that wasn't his mindset. That wasn't the team's mindset. Um, so it, it's 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 tough to look back, and it is and it is frustrating when people are like, "Yo, like you don't like Coach Jones, do you?" I'm like, Coach Jones was my college football coach. I played with him for four years. Yeah. I, he got me to Tennessee. I grew up at the University of Tennessee. A lot of the stuff and and things that he introduced me to, the people he introduced me to, from the speakers that will come in, and the opportunity and experience I had through him, you know, have molded me into the person I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me the opportunity to live out my childhood dream, go to the University of Tennessee, you know, excel in engineering and football, and then be drafted into the NFL. It's like, yeah, there's stuff that he could do better that he would say, probably. And there's stuff, you know, but that's everyone, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, no, I don't hate Coach Jones. I'm, I'm <laughs> thankful for the opportunity to, to play for him. And it's everyone's going to have their own opinion of, you know, whatever, you know, his sayings and the media and all that stuff. But, we know as players you know, at the end of the day, you know how we feel for our coaches and how we still enjoyed our time there. Yeah. And I mean, I had Juwan James on uh, a few weeks ago and he said, you know, coach Jones made him a better player just by instilling, you know, that 63 effort, the, you know, first mm-hmm. up the, the, you know, go pick up your running back, all like all that kind of stuff. Like 
made Juwan a better player and I, like it made our team better. I mean, we literally went mm-hmm. five and seven, three years in a row, like my first three years. So it was like, we weren't getting anywhere and he came in and was able to change the culture for Correct. better. I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, you like what, the last time Tennessee had a winning record before coach Jones was like 2007, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's like, I mean, you can say all you want, but and I think that, like, he still instilled change. He changed the program. And, I mean, people say we want to get Tennessee back. You know, we we were there. We were ranked, we were ranked top 10 in the country, you know, top 25. We're beating the Georgias and the Floridas, competing against the Alabamas. You know, we, we were right there. Yeah. You know, and so I think people need to look, you know, in the mirror and actually see, like, what, what they are really saying because usually it's not very accurate. It doesn't really line up to what was actually going on. Yeah, I agree. So we're moving into a new era. We got Hypel mm-hmm. coming in, offensive-minded guy, and looks like he's going to be very explosive. I always look at offenses a little differently. Um, I think you should mold an offense around what you have and yeah. not try and plug in guys. Um, and I think a lot of times people try and just plug in guys and say – okay, this is how I want to run an offense. I'm going to plug these guys in and they should be able to do it. I mean, I, I don't know if you agree with me. I, I think it's more what's, what's you, what are you good at? What's your skill? Uh, and then work with that. I think that's, that's how college football should be. You know, um, it should be built around the players. Um, you're able to go out and recruit. You know, it's different in the NFL when guys are fully established and developed and you know their skill set. So you're able to, pick the guys to pick your, to that fit your scheme. But yeah. in college, everyone's developing at a different rate. Everyone comes in at a different level of skill set. Um, so I do think you have to evolve the offense around your players. And it seems like, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's done that. You know, he's been successful everywhere he's gone, even from when he was a player mm-hmm. as well. So um, I think it's exciting. You know, we're seeing college football really change to a very offensive sided approach you know Alabama's putting up 35 points in the first half if you're not doing that then you don't don't matter it doesn't matter what type of defense you have yeah exactly if you're putting you're like ah oh, we put up 17 put up 20 if they're putting up 35 you're not competing so yeah. if you're not having high power offenses nowadays um then you're not giving yourself a chance to win you know it's turning into an offensive sport yeah so I do think having a guy that's been successful everywhere he's gone can develop the quarterback position, um, has been able to evolve his offense from various different players, programs, conferences. Um, I do think that is what we need. And at the end of the day, also what we need at Tennessee is a consistency. You know, you can't expect to be a great program and have turnover every three to four years, right? You look at Alabama, you know, you look at when Florida, when Florida's rolling, there's no turnover. Georgia, has had established coaching staffs from, you know, Mark Richt, who was there for a while, to now Kirby Smart, who will be there for a while. So when you look around the league, you look at the teams that are doing well, they are consistent. You know, they have the consistent coaching staff, so they're able to build recruits, build a program, build a ideology about how they play football. Yeah. So until we get that, it's going to be tough to compete. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. you might have a couple good years, but until you – can be consistent year in year out with your coaching staff or with at least you know, the top of the coaching staff there's always going to be turnover yeah um, then it's going to be tough so I hope and and it seems like you know this is a long-term plan you know you get the AD from UCF and you get the head coach football coach you know there seems like a, a tag team tandem who want to work together for a long time and Tennessee should be everyone's dream job so I think this this is a good plan, and I'm excited to see how it turns out. Yeah, I am too. I, I think future is bright. Positive vibes only around here. Positive vibes only. That's all we um, want. You know, it's it's never good to be negative. Uh, so we talked about you know offenses 2016 and 15, and I was wondering. This is might be a little bit difficult of a question for a quarterback. But was there a guy that you played against who was like the toughest guy you played against or someone who very much impressed you 
on the defensive side of the ball because, you know, wide receivers, they have corners that are covering them, offensive and defensive linemen. You're going against individuals. Uh, you know, maybe you're running back and say a linebacker. Mm-hmm. As a quarterback, you're going against everyone. You're going against all right. 11. So it might be hard for you to pinpoint somebody. And if you can't, maybe just like an overall defense that you went against, yeah. you're like, this. these guys were tough. I, there, there's a couple guys I can, I can point out for you <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> from the gauntlet of people that we played. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, playing Florida, like their safety tandem was very, was very, very good. You know, they had Keanu Neal and Marcus May. You know, and that was obviously a big uh, Q power game. So yeah. it, it wasn't really fun running into those two brick walls and <laughs> yeah. they're coming down for support. Um, we played Alabama that year. Uh, Minka, who um, I got linked with in Pittsburgh, um, talented man. You know, mm-hmm. I remember in college, Coach Sheridan, QB coach, was like, yeah, Minka was a freshman or sophomore. He's like, yeah, don't throw it to the left. Just throw it <laughs> right. You know, as a freshman, sophomore, right? Now you see him in the league every day. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, now you play safety. You can play anywhere on the field. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see. I see. What, I get it. I totally get it. Um, you know, I, I remember. Uh, the So you remember our Hummer and Bentley play that no one could stop? Yes. So, like, the next year when you were gone, we ran it against Alabama. So that's when Ruben Foster was our mic. Yep. And he was really just staring at each other. I faked it. You know, he – Shot, it's like, all right, I'm gonna pull it. I'll probably run for 20, be good. And he tackled me like minus two in the backfield. It was just the speed. Now, I played with against him in high school, but just the evolution of the Alabama linebackers, they're always yeah. talented. So, you know, those are probably the guys that stand out off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think like a, a cool person too was uh Derek, you know, just playing against him every day in practice and just getting those rushes when we do those two minute drills. You know, and just feeling you know, the pocket collapse, and you know those. Yeah, those are probably. I guess if I had to pick five, that that would be my top top five right there. Yeah, freaking Derek and Kurt whooping my ass in practice. Oh. I mean, Jesus, was, man. Yeah, those are two good ones. I hated that freaking third down period or the the two minute drill that we would run every, and they, every and, Thursday, and, and they have these crazy blitzes drawn up. I mean, sometimes they would both line up on my on the same side. side. Yeah, I'm like, on the same side. They're like, both over here. I'm like, what, which one am I going to block here? My slide that way, please. Yeah, geez. Yeah. Um, I would agree with those. I think in uh, – I can't remember. It was like Roland was the linebacker for Alabama 2015. And um, he was high, He was a high draft pick. But he said like at the combine that our offense was the hardest – and it and it was really? because it was because that Hummer and Bentley play, because we introduced it that week. Correct. No one had seen it. No, and but and two pulling guards going both ways was both just ways. like they had no clue what to do. Yeah, I was They're just like, like, what in the world is happening? They got us though. They just hopped into four down. They put we got them out bare, but they just played the rest of the game in four down, which helped because now take out all their blitzes out bare. We don't have to yeah. worry about it. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's one thing that a lot of offenses struggle with is finding the different place to attack bear and then finding the place to attack four down because it's like, oh yeah, we'll run inside zone. It's like inside zone doesn't work versus bear. It work. No. It won't work because you don't have enough guys to block. Like there's no gaps. There's just five <laughs> on five. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's like that, no that's one's the blocking worst, the linebackers. That's the worst possible scenario you could be in trying to run the ball. You want double teams as many as you can. So right trying to figure that whole thing out but um so you know great career at tennessee bunch of accolades you get drafted you're in pittsburgh now you're not a first round pick so i don't know if they made you do anything but was there like a rookie dinner that they made you pay for or did you have to do something as like a rookie guy no not really you know i had to bring water up to the qb room every day nothing crazy Okay. We did have one. We had a QB rookie dinner. Um, so it was just the QB room. So it was Ben, his wife, uh, Landry, his wife, our coach, Coach Randy, his wife, and then me and my girlfriend So at the time. so Not that many um, people. Yeah, you know, it was eight people. You know, four <laughs> of them had small stomachs. So I wasn't yeah. really complaining. I wasn't I, – I, I, I didn't – I didn't – luckily, I, I'm – 
I didn't have anything too bad. Now I've seen some crazy stuff, of yeah. course. You know where the guys gotta gotta pay for a trip to Vegas or you know pay for a nice little Nobu uh, dinner, <laughs> you know. So I, I've I've seen it worse. Yes. No, we I didn't I I got the short end of the stick and I'll take it. Yeah, I mean they definitely crush offensive linemen. It's it's oh, the I can worst imagine to be a rookie in. Um, you know I was undrafted, so pick. yeah, I was undrafted, so it's a little different for me. But like high high picks, it's oh we got. 15 guys like to go in all big go 300 eat. plus pound boys and we're all eating like that bill's gonna be you know nice those uh 15 porterhouses add up pretty quick yeah it's good it, it might be up there in the five figures so yeah you gotta, you gotta oh. watch out um what what do you what would you think was your what was the first big purchase that you had once um, you got the money you got a little signing bonus or something see i didn't really i didn't really have like a first big purchase you know what what hits you though is like two things like one taxes you're like oh taxes like <laughs> wait what is the big boy job do about this in college taxes boy, this is like half of what y'all said i was getting there's <laughs> yeah. the other half they're like oh that's gone you'll never see that like oh great and then um there's initial living expenses moving to your first apartment you have to buy furniture for the whole apartment and you're not in college anymore you're not getting handed down right but that first apartment i was like wow this like a bed uh a dining room set a, a sofa <laughs> yeah. and plates i'm like that, these cost this much like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what yeah that's what you uh it's what you need a, a wedding for. That's what that's what the best part about it is putting that stuff on your wedding. You get, all, you get all those in the gift set. Yeah, you get all those in the yeah. gift set. They give you the plates and the pots and the and, you know everything that you might need. So that's that's that, that's where we got all our stuff. It was just the wedding set. Just get that. Go ahead and give us all the all the little stuff we need. Um, Try and touch me to get married, Kyler. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's not. It's a pretty good life. I'll, I'll give you that. I'm. Uh, what is it going on? Five years now. So, congratulations. Appreciate that. Um, you know, obviously, you went to the combine. You went to the you know senior bowl. You went through all that kind of stuff. Going into NFL, was there a crazy meeting or question? that you had from the GMs or has there ever been like a weird, weird question that you've gotten? I'm sure they uh, ask you a lot of mm, weird they, stuff, you know, you're, that you're an engineer. They want to test you. See if you're actually smart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they ask everything under the book, you know, I'm pretty straight shooter. So they kind of shot me pretty straight. So I don't really have anything weird. I just think the whole experience is really the, the not bizarre, but like the whole experience is, you know, no one, no one ever sees it. Like everyone's like, "Oh, let's watch the combine this weekend. Watch these guys work out." And the combine, all it is, is just a mental exhaustion fest. You know, they wake you up every morning. You're there for you're in Indianapolis for five days. You get there. Everyone gets there on a different schedule. So as quarterback, our last day was Saturday, so we got there on a Monday. Like you landed at like noon or one on a Monday. Yeah. You get the early flight there. So you're there, you check in, you get all your stuff. And then from Tuesday to Saturday is – Tuesday to Friday, it's how can we mentally exhaust you. So, like, the first day you sit in the hospital all day. You get to the hospital at 8 a.m. and you get back to the hotel at like, 6. And you go straight into night meetings with the coaches, informal meetings. And then you have formal meetings sprinkled in where just 15 minutes. And they'll – like, some people – if you don't go to the Senior Bowl, you could have, like, 20. If you do go to Senior Bowl, you probably have – I had, like, two or three because I was at the senior bowl, I met everyone already. Yeah. So Tuesday, you're in the hospital all day. Wednesday, you do your medical exam review and everything. So you really have to meet with every single team in the NFL's, you know, medical staff. You're just meeting with them. They're poking on you like anything. Like you could have the injury from when you were five and they're checking out your wrist, you know, poking <laughs> on your knees and this is – I'm saying, like, you'll meet with one team and you'll go right across the hall and you'll do the exact same exam with the next team. So, oh lucky for God. me, I didn't I didn't have m many injuries. Really. Yeah. Many. So, I didn't my, – my 
meetings weren't very extensive, but imagine the guys that, you know, had sprained ankles, wrists, knees, ACL, ACLs, every single team poking on you and everything. So then boom, the next day you have media all day. You just talk to the media all day, interviews, formal, informal, and along with, again, coaches, but you're up at, and this is where they get you. It's like media weigh-in day. It's Thursday. So they make you, so you wake up at, um, but they also drug test you that day. So you wake up at, so get this, you wake up at 4 a.m. for your drug test. Drug test starts at five, right? You have to wake up at 4 a.m. because there's like 150 people that have to get the drug test. There's only five people taking the drug test. And you also want to get your sleep. So you're able to weigh whatever you need to weigh, but you can't pound water all night to get your weight up because you have to drug test. Yeah. So drug test, boom. You sit in line, you get in line at like 3.30, you're in line. Just people are just asleep in line for an hour. Wake you, they wake you up while you're in line, you drug test, you go upstairs, you take a nap, you eat breakfast, and then you have to go weigh in. And you're exhausted. You've been up since 3.30 in the morning and you're sitting there pounding water. So you do that and then they get you with this. Then you have to go sit. So whatever your medical exams from the previous day said, you have to go do all your MRIs if the team orders MRIs for you. So some people have like 12 MRIs. Bro, if you've ever said an MRI, it is the worst thing. It is worst thing. so loud, Can't so annoying, and it takes forever for nothing. Yes, for nothing. People, Some people literally are sitting in there all day. And you know how it goes. If you move an inch, you got to redo it. Yeah. All that stuff. So they're just trying to wear you down throughout the week. I think Friday is the bench press day. And Friday is much more chill because the next day you have to actually compete. Mm-hmm. So you get a chance to go meet with whoever you're training with, get ready for the next day. Of course, you're exhausted. So then you wake up Saturday and all of that for like a 45-minute workout on the field. <laughs> you run a 40, you run a 5-10-5, you run an L drill, you jump as high as you can, you jump as far as you can. And as a quarterback, you throw maybe 50 balls. And go home. You know, it's 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 a very it's an experience to say the least. Yeah, uh, I'm sure a lot of guys you ask will be like, I will never never want to do the combine again. Yeah, um, and then uh, and then that can affect every single person's draft grade and make you a first Correct. rounder versus a third rounder. Correct. Even though you just put together, you know, three four years worth of game tape. Yeah, I mean, I I think. Uh, DK Metcalf was a beast at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Obviously, played very well as a, at a wide receiver position, and then killed he the killed the combine. And everyone was like, "Oh, this guy!" It's like you this didn't guy. see that. Like you didn't see this... me balling out or like doing all Lost these amazing things. Ole Miss, <laughs> yeah. Like you didn't you didn't see me beating one on one Alabama corners. Like you didn't see me doing that. Like you should have known that this is who I am. Correct. Same thing with uh, correct AJ Brown at the Titans now. Like same thing. Everyone was like, "Ooh, look at this shiny DK Metcalf," and like didn't even realize AJ Brown, AJ Brown, is, Brown a, is a beast. Yeah, I freaking love it. I, I you know I grew up a Titans fan, so I I love that he's. I mean, he's amazing out there. He's a beast. He's, he's almost. Beast. I mean, he's if you really look at it, like that picture that went around of DK Metcalf, like AJ Brown is almost the same size as him. Like. He's mm-hmm. jacked also. Mm-hmm. And Buddy just got a Pro Bowl on two bad knees. Yes, amazing. <laughs> he's a, I remember we played him this year, and he's a beast. Took yeah. took a slant to the crib. Yeah. He's a beast. Yeah, exactly. He's a beast. Um, all right, well, I really appreciate you coming on. I'll let you go. I just want to ask one more thing. Is there anything going on right now, non-football related, that you know you got going? I know you got your brand and stuff like that mm-hmm. or anything that you want to promote um, that's going on in your life? I'd say uh, one thing I've going on, working on my Astro hats, um, going to be growing to like some, some more apparel. So t-shirts, sweatshirts, and continue to grow a brand. I'll, I'll send you a hat, Kyler. I know you're, yes. a, I think you're a trucker, you're a trucker guy. So I'll have to send one. I am. Way. I am. I got, I got this hat on right now. I, I don't know if you remember that coast pipe. Coastal pipe. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. I'll, but I'll definitely send one your way. So uh, Astro merch, 
for people to check it out and we'll continue to grow. And I appreciate you for having me on. It's always cool to talk to BFL and just reminisce on, on the yeah, good old days at YouTube. For sure. Um, because, you know, you know how it is, you know, that you come into college um, and the experiences that you have there with, with the people that you have it with are very special. So it's always good to, to talk about it, reminisce on it, and just share some stories. So I appreciate I you for having I me. I agree. On. Well, now that you've come on, you're going to be a recurring guest. I'll, 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 uh, I'll text you again, try and have you on. Maybe during the season, we can talk some X's and O's. So no more. Get a little more okay. into it. Cool. That's the plan. I'll see you then. All right, man. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Always. All right. See you, bud. All right. Okay. I really appreciate all you guys tuning in, uh, getting a chance to hear from Dobbs during this podcast and uh, appreciate listening rate and subscribe share with your friends and family let them know i'm I'm, uh doing this uh follow me on all my social medias at kyler kerbison on facebook instagram twitter heck even linkedin uh you know give me a shout you can call me or text me at uh 865-322-9232 And I can answer some of your questions. Uh, And yeah, just really appreciate you guys listening. And as always, go Vols. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.